Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, Clearedcast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hi, this is Lindy Kaiser with Clearance Jobs. I am so delighted to be speaking with Heather Green, the director of the Vetting Risk Operations Center at DCSA. DCSA has had a couple of really significant milestones, just had their two-year birthday and celebrated it with getting 100% of the DOD population enrolled into their continuous vetting program. So Heather, you're really ambitious for your birthday celebrations. Congrats on that news. Thank you so much. And and thank you so much for helping us communicate this important news to to all the audiences and American public. We appreciate it. Yeah. And I will say continuous vetting is something we've covered a ton at clearance jobs just because it is something that kind of the average security clearance applicant and also the security officer piece of it has had questions about. I think the announcement of enrollment is huge and is a big step just because one of the biggest ambiguities we've had from folks who have asked are just saying, hey, how do I know if I'm in the continuous vetting program? And what does that change? So now we can say, A, you are enrolled in continuous vetting if you fall under the DOD ecosystem and certainly some other agencies as well. So B, maybe can you speak to that piece of it? Does it actually change anything for the average applicant? Will they experience their clearance process any differently at this point, having kind of accomplished that 1.25 milestone? So the, the average applicant, you know, when, when they're applying for a clearance will at this point in time continue to go through the same process. And what we're doing at this point is once an individual has been investigated and adjudicated, then they are automatically enrolled in continuous vetting. Certainly, the the average applicant would need to continue to work with their security manager to comply and respond to any requests for information that we may have, whether it be through the background investigation process they're initially going through or the continuous vetting process that, you know, we are implementing within uh, DOD. And then talk about that continuous vetting versus periodic reinvestigation. So I know the idea writ large through this Trusted Workforce 2.0 initiative was to replace periodic reinvestigations with continuous vetting. We've been kind of hesitant to tell people, hey, periodic reinvestigations are going away until that full CV piece is in place. And again, I know we have different iterations here. So is there information people should know about the continuous vetting part of it and what that means for their possibility to have a periodic reinvestigation? Because I think we could still see PRs triggered in some cases. Correct. So periodic investigations may still be a need. So I would just say you have to work directly with your security manager, depending on what type of investigation is required for our our trusted workforce. They will be the best to speak to each individual case on a case-by-case basis. But I want to back up just a little bit and and just kind of give give the audience a a quick synopsis of of our progress that we've made and, and again, what that kind of means when when we're replacing periodic reinvestigation. So as you know, uh, well before DCSA stood up in 2019, policymakers have worked really hard to design, you know, what that reform personal vetting policy would be. I'm really looking at it as a single secure vetting system for the country. And one of those central components of our reform is continuous vetting. Right, continuous vetting, specifically as we're talking right now of individuals and positions of trust who require security clearance. That policy, right, Trusted Workforce 2.0, is was really a holistic, whole of government personnel security reform effort that is involved is basically overhauling the vetting process as we speak. As you kind of alluded to, it does include replacing periodic reinvestigations that were happening on any, you know, a five to ten year uh, periodicity, depending on what the clearance level was, with a continuous vetting program. And the continuous vetting program is ensuring that trusted workforce is vetted right in real time through automated record checks and other interagency information sharing and time-based checks. So our first step 
you know, and and here that we have made with the DOD population. And I want to make sure I highlight that this population that we've enrolled thus far includes uniformed service members, civilians, and defense contractors from private industry. So it is, you know, a, a large population covering anyone that is having access to classified information within the Department of Defense. But that first step, right, of continuous vetting, specifically trusted workforce 1.25 that you also alluded to, is really kind of building that that process and building our phased approach to fully replacing periodic reinvestigations. So at this point, with everyone enrolled in CW 1.25, PRs can be deferred, which means that depending on, you know, your, your specific situation, you know, a periodic reinvestigation may not actually be submitted, right, to the investigative service provider for a full periodic reinvestigation. It may just be that we're able to collect additional information and, and validate that you are, in fact, enrolled in all the appropriate automated record checks, get updated information based on where someone lives, works, and goes to school, that type of thing. So, may still have a need out there to have the subject complete their updated forms, but it will basically translate into a, a full periodic reinvestigation will be deferred at this point in time. Fantastic. That is great news. And it certainly speaks to, you know, again, the, the whole purpose here in terms of mitigating risk and seeing how under the continuous vetting process, you're just catching things way sooner than we're caught under the traditional periodic reinvestigation process. So you just mentioned like the 1.25 aspect of it. You released a great chart when you made the announcement about your enrollment accomplishment. And I think, you know, certainly check that out, folks who are listening or, um, you know, joining us here because I think it's it's worth noting the difference between 1.25, 1.5, and 2.0. Can you briefly kind of touch on that? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, Trusted Workforce 1.25 was basically that that first step of that phased approach to adding populations and adding data sources into the overall continuous vetting program. So, TW 1.25 was focused on some of the high-value data checks that we felt were a priority that we wanted to get our entire population enrolled in, specifically criminal data sources as well as terrorist data sources, and then obviously focusing on ensuring that we have the right people enrolled and have the appropriate affiliation and eligibility. You know, our next phase, right, the next step in our journey here is to get the rest of the cleared population enrolled in all seven data categories, which will be Trusted Workforce 1.5. We do have um, a large population enrolled in and not just the TW 1.25 data sources, but the additional data sources as well. But our goal will be by the end of fiscal year 2022 to have um, all of our DOD national security population enrolled in uh, Trusted Workforce 1.5, again, covering seven data categories, as well as some time-based checks and agency-specific checks that will be occurring. Then we're going to continue to grow, right? Kind of, again, taking that phased approach to ensure we enroll the right population at the right time and the right data sources. And we'll grow when we get to Trusted Workforce 2.0 outside of our national security population. And we'll really be looking at that the rest of the uh, federal enterprise and I'm sorry, that the DOD enterprise and focus on the uh, suitability population um, to make sure that we have them incorporated as well. One other thing I just want to throw in there, today we were kind of announcing the success of DCSA, you know, implementing, you know, and full enrollment of the DOD national security population. But we also, you know, the teams have worked really hard to building and offering a service to our non-DOD agencies and our, and our other customers out there. And we have been successful. We are now offering a trusted workforce 1.25 service to non-DOD agencies. We have approximately 30 agencies that are onboarded and and enrolled within the service. So, again, it, it really means that, you know, we're offering that service, you know, to the federal enterprise 
and we're able to identify those risks and concerns regarding individuals' trustworthiness early so that we can take appropriate action um, and in real time. So a lot of, a lot of good successes to celebrate today. I know that Heather Green is a professional because she answers my next question right before I'm actually going to get ready to answer it. So that was the other piece I was going to speak to about how even if you're not a DOD clearance holder, again, the solution that you've rolled out even with 1.25 is that you can enroll other agencies. So kind of like if you're an applicant and DCSA might be conducting your background investigation, even if you're not with that agency, the CB solution also applies to that greater community. So it's really helping kind of across the national security community that they can all kind of leverage these same resources. Have you seen any benefits to that already in terms of the agencies taking advantage of that? Just making, because I feel like it ties into the whole kind of one clearance concept that we've, we've We've seen, you know, that language thrown out there. And certainly when you have these solutions that other agencies can take advantage and also a lot, a lot of things just originating with DCSA and VROC. Have you kind of seen the benefits of that already? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, we've had a lot of early adopters and agencies that have come on board and wanting to kind of test our our product and our capability and help us make it better. We certainly, you know, I, I can think of a few agencies that have given us glowing reviews advising that, wow, you know, um, they, they simply didn't have the resources and the, uh, the technical capabilities in-house in order to um, receive, you know, this type of data and do the appropriate triaging and analysis of the information. So a lot of good good work and a lot of successes already um, in agencies that have been incorporated in our service have already provided those, those positive comments. To your point on the other agencies and the, the one, right? So looking at one agency, right? That that's the direction that that all of government wants to go to because of the fact that you know individuals don't necessarily stay in their home organization for forever, right? So certainly, if you're working for DoD today and then tomorrow you're working for I don't know another government agency, let's just throw FAA or or another uh, agency out there doesn't mean that you're not going to move across the federal government. So it is really important for us to be able to share that information within the federal government and really have one CV solution, you know, across the enterprise. So our service is offering that where we're able to have that centralized ISP, you know, uh, driven CV uh, product where we're able to have that central repository of information that their CV alerts and CV information will travel uh, with the person because they're in that centralized area. And, you know, again, another positive that we have certainly found is that we are identifying information earlier than the next PR. And we have done that not only for DOD, but now on approximately 30 other agencies out there that we've provided our service to. Because I do want to just highlight that the ultimate goal of the CV program is to identify the issues earlier and really address any indicators that that we find early on. It does allow our individuals to uh, seek assistance, right, and mitigate any of the triggers that, that might be out there before really becoming a potential insider threat. So what we have seen, not only in the, uh, the DOD population, but also the service that we're offering to other customers, is that we are identifying information earlier and sharing it with the appropriate individuals to, to take the appropriate action at the right time. You asked my, you answered my next question again before I could ask it. So that is exactly what I was going to point to. I know I've seen from the reporting that you are triggering and you're finding things faster. Are there, are there things that are coming up that you generally maybe wouldn't have discovered or wouldn't have found out without the CV program triggering the investigation? And also, I think it's worth noting, too, just because something is flagged under CV, there is a process within VROC that analyzes whether that actually needs to trigger an actual investigation, whether it's a true alert and all of that. 
absolutely. All of that. I, I absolutely agree with you. So, you know, our current data sources focus on, you know, criminal terrorism, um, you know, credit issues. We're expanding into suspicious financial activity and foreign travel activities. I, I'll throw a little plug in there for the culture of self-reporting, because I will mention that in many of the alerts that are generated via our automated record checks have been previously reported. And that's a good thing, because we really do want individuals, when a situation occurs, whether it be a financial concern or a potential um, you know, criminal concern that, that they may have, um, uh, misdemeanor events, right? Um, any anything that would be concerning, you know, to them, we would want to make sure that they self-report that information because then when the automated record check comes in, that's the, one of the first things that we do. We're going to look to ensure that it meets our business rules, right? That it is in fact an alert that should be coming in based on the federal investigative standards. We're going to look to make sure it is that it, it is our subject. So we do robust identity resolution. And then we're going to look to see, was it previously known? Is it something that has already been reported? And if it's already been reported, then it's already going through the, the, the process that it needs to go through to you know, potentially gather more information or potentially be adjudicated. But if it's not previously reported, that's when we start triaging that specific CB alert. And as you alluded to, it might mean a uh, additional investigation that has to take place, you know, to gather more information on, on this particular alert might mean that we request information, you know, directly from the subject. It might be, you know, significant that we have to refer over to an insider threat hub, a law enforcement entity, or, you know, um, uh, something of that nature. But again, it, it all depends on the, the alert and what actions have to be taken after that. But it does not mean, right, because we, we do receive a lot of alerts, it does not mean that the subject will automatically be removed from access. What it means is that we are identifying information early and that we're seeking assistance and helping to mitigate any triggers before they begin, begin to escalate. Um, obviously, we may have those there's few and far between information that's that's detected in CV that is of significance that we have to take immediate action. And that's where our appropriate threat mitigation teams come into play to uh, make that assessment and ensure we're taking the right action to protect not only the individual, the workforce, as well as national security as a whole. And you bring up a great point there with self-reporting, because one of the things we've kind of you know spoken about here is it used to be passenger time is one of the biggest ways to mitigate a potential issue. And we had folks that were honestly using as pa passenger time as also almost a false mitigation because they had a DUI three years ago, didn't report it. It didn't actually get flagged. It came up in their next periodic reinvestigation. But by that point, maybe it had been mitigated by time. So now that goes, we're, we're just being more proactive. The best way to mitigate things is to self-report them first. And I, and I love hearing that people have self-reported things before they came up in CV. And I think that's a great message to the, to the cleared population to say, hey, you're under CV now. It's just a good time to know what we have the Security Executive Agent Directive 3, we have those guidelines out. There should be some education on self-reporting requirements. And if people can be proactive about that, that's probably one of the best ways to insulate themselves from an issue is taking the proactive steps. I couldn't have said it any better. I, I absolutely agree. You know, your, your first stop should be your security manager and working with them to, uh, you know, ensure that you're reporting the right information at the right time. Perfect. Well, those are my only questions. Is there anything else you wanted me to touch on or you wanted to mention? I just want to mention that it certainly is a significant uh, milestone for DCSA and, and for DOD and, and honestly for the federal enterprise as a whole. Continuous vetting is certainly a needed reform effort, and we're making a lot of progress. And bottom line is that continuous vetting is working, and it's helping DCSA deliver a trusted workforce. So I'm, I'm really excited for this milestone, 
and really excited to continue to work with the community to uh, continue to build and, and grow, you know, the continuous study program as a whole. This is Lindy Kaiser, Senior Editor of ClearanceJobs.com. Thank you again for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more security clearance news and defense industry information, please visit news.clearancejobs.com. 